Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah. And as a reminder, the Baseball Buffet is brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company. Make sure you go to www.phiapparel.co. And when you go there, make sure you use our promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel. When you shop online, again, phiapparel.co. They've got a whole bunch of original designs covering all those sports. If you can smell football coming your way, they've got some really cool stuff out there. It's still baseball season, as you know. And... um, I have been very excited to uh, to join us once again, and I do have to give a moment to welcome in my co-host, or uh, I will be sharing co-hosting duties today. Uh, who is that we got over there? What's up, Dave, man? It's good to hear your voice, as always. We've uh, had a couple couple weeks off, but it's nice to be able to serve, uh, serve up some hot dishes on the baseball buffet again. Lots of uh, lots of things going on, man. So it's uh, always good to sit alongside and and chop it up with you and talk about America's pastime, my friend. Yes, absolutely. My, a lot has happened, and uh, I have been checking in and hearing you and and Nate chalk up some of the baseball that's been going on. And yeah, it's been a been a tough uh, tough last couple of months. Um, but I'm excited to be here, excited to talk to you. Hopefully, um, we end up having a lot better day than, say, it looks like the uh, Red Sox have had over the last week, it feels like, after especially getting absolutely just destroyed by the Blue Jays that one game, 28-5. to 28-5. to Atlanta. I felt like the city of Atlanta was really hoping that wouldn't finish 28-3, to and it didn't. But I, I, I can assure you there was a moment uh, when would, I saw that, that would not have hurt my feelings. <laughs> it would have. It was. It was something else. And I mean, right now we've got um, what feels like, and, and I can only speak to what it feels like within the city here. 
this has been the most excited I, I have felt the city of New York about a subway series in a long time, and understandably so. The New York Yankees, while they it's have cooled off, um, as of well, no, it's happening right now. It's uh, the Mets are up three to five, uh, yeah, yeah, up uh, five to three. You, yeah. Um, and and you know, I'll I'll get there in a little bit, but I do want to say it has been, Mike. And again, I can only speak to what I see and my uh, boots on the ground per se. But it has been really exciting for the city of New York um, as a baseball city. And, 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 you know, at the beginning of the season, I was thinking, okay, this is a nice story. The Yankees were just blowing the door off everybody, as were the, as were the, uh, the Mets at the time. We didn't know what was real and what wasn't. And I do think, yes, the Yankees have come back to earth. And I don't know if their particular brand of baseball will work in, in the postseason, whatever. I, I don't even care about anything beyond July 26th for this conversation. I'm really talking about that first half of the season. It's no different than a, a football team starting a season you know, six and two, but then, you know, basically all of those teams are terrible. It doesn't matter. I don't care. The point is, is when you go to the ballpark, you see the win-loss record and you just have this uh, feel for a team. And, and there were just certain parts of the Yankee season where it felt like every week there are at least two or three unbelievable late-inning comebacks. And those games where they didn't have those late comebacks, they were either blowing the other team out or it was just very solid – uh, starting pitching and you were winning games five to two, five to three. And those, again, those ones where you were losing five to two, five to three, you were finding ways to get, you know, a couple runs in innings uh, seven, eight, nine. So, uh, you know, as a Yankee fan, I haven't had a chance to chime in. This is my first, I think, chance to really talk about the Yankees all year. I very specifically avoided bringing them up when we started the season. Um, but it has been a lot of fun. And, and granted, yes, they've, they've cooled off. Uh, but this has been, I think, since the 2017 season, I should say, when they went to the ALCS and lost to Houston. This has been the most fun uh, it's been being a Yankee fan. Now, we all know that Yankee fans are a little bit crazy, uh, a little bit, very crazy. And, you know, everybody's just going to want to win a World Series. I don't, I don't care necessarily about winning World Series or winning championships in the middle of July. What I care about is having a team that's fun to watch, that can compete and be in a, a running for a playoff spot down the stretch. And I always have faith um, that that's all I want, right? It, it's, it's, it's sports to me. Maybe it's just as I've gotten older. It's become more about the enjoyment of the season and the relevancy because only one team wins a championship, right? That's, that's tw- it's not the one team that wins a championship, but it's the 29 other fan bases that don't get to experience that kind of thing. So it's like, did you at least have fun during the season? And that's what it's felt like. It's been a lot of fun. And the same thing is true across town in, in Queens with the Mets. I mean, the Mets, I, you know, granted they were in the World Series in 15. Um, it, it's, there's just this palpable excitement. You know, two people on a subway car, one wearing a Yankees hat and one wearing a Mets hat. There's just something, you know, you, you can look across the, the aisle and say, oh, you know, my team's better. No, no, my team's better. Well, if it was DeGrom versus Cole, you know DeGrom's the better. And, and that little banter, and I think it means something especially after the last two, three years of the world being just a complete uh, all over the place. I, I don't even want to say the words that are, that are coming to my mind, Mike, but um, it's truly felt like this has been needed, this positivity, this feeling of we're having fun doing it, not, okay, how are the Yankees going to blow it? How are the Mets going to blow? Who's going to get hurt? And there's still, I think, that little bit in the back of your head as a Jets fan, you know, for instance, to bring that into it, and I always do. There's this 
feeling of, oh, my gosh, you know, we're actually putting something together properly and that understanding, oh, gosh, okay, so when's the other shoe going to drop? But, you know, maybe I'm buying into the hype. Maybe I'm buying into the papers. But it does feel a little bit different, and it does just feel positive. And I don't, you know, I don't care whether either of these teams can win, have the chance to win. That's not my point. My point is, is it's July 26th, and baseball is fun. And it's the first time it felt like baseball has been fun for the city of New York in maybe 20-ish years. Can I retort now? Absolutely. Okay. So first of all, I 100% agree with a lot of what you just said. And that at the end of the day, only one team can carry the banner. And I think a lot of people forget about the journey and his fans, especially his armchair quarterbacks or whatever you want to call them, armchair managers or whatever. At the end of the day, people get so caught up on what if they didn't win, it didn't matter. Um, And listen, as a Braves fan, I had plenty of that in the 90s. Right, um, but I had a very good team to watch year in and year out, and uh, and they've been good the last few years. But uh, listen, the early the the late 2010s and early uh, 2010s, I guess I mean the the 2000 the, the first decade of this century. I don't know what you call it. The 2000s uh, yeah. used to be called 1900s, so 2000s. We'll call it that. And then the late <laughs> part of the 2000s. And the first part of the 2010 uh, reminded me of what it's like to have a team that sucks. Um, So, you know, I I look at that, and first of all, you're right. And as a matter of fact, and I've said uh, said this a couple different times, and and I'll say it one more time. Uh, On our preseason show, I actually had you stop and go through the Yankees lineup and said, they may be better than you think. I mean, I didn't see this coming. but there were a lot of things that I liked about this Yankees roster going into the season. Uh, and, and I told you so, uh, even before the season started. You did. So I, I think that it is very uh, – it's good for the game of baseball to have both teams in the city of New York playing well. And like you said, the, the banter about which team's better or whatever – but also just the, the being able to look at the other and say both of our teams are having a good year. Or we got something to be, you know, to cheer for and be happy about. Like, and I, I think it's good for the city of New York for baseball uh, for both of their baseball teams to be good. And to your point, I think that either one of them could win in October, though, regardless of whether they do or not, is is not part of this discussion. But it is very good to see them good. We were hoping for the first month plus one of the other teams that we're going to get to tonight. Um, later on in the show, has, has kind of dropped the ball for the city of LA, which is, uh, I mean, really dropped it. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's but, true. But, but to see, uh, you know, the first couple of weeks, the first month of the season, we were like, wow, the the best baseball ball in the in the country is being played in New York and LA. Um, <laughs> so not so much anymore. LA still <laughs> one team in LA still playing some really good ball. But no, I mean, it's good to see uh, these teams playing well and playing good baseball. And it, it's fun to see how these teams have come together and what they've been able to, to do. Um, as far as, you know, what kind of pace they can keep moving forward or whatever, that's, that's another story, and we can get into that if you want to. But I, I 100% agree with you. It, I think that there are certain teams in each sport 
that it's just good for the sport and good for the game in general to for these teams to be good. And in baseball, it's the Yankees and even the Mets because of New York and at least, uh, you know, one of the L.A. teams, but those big market teams. And then, um, you know, there are some other teams that we can look at and say this is really good for the game when these teams are really good. But, uh, you yeah. know, New, yeah. New York has been I mean, a lot of ways the center of this. Yeah, no, I, it pains me to say it. Baseball is better when the Red Sox are good. That's just a fact. Well, and because of that, and, and also because of that Yankees-Red Sox rivalry, right? Like, if both of those teams are good, oh, yeah. and so the, those games have some, some meaning behind them, then definitely definitely the case. I mean, you know, you could translate to basketball and say when the Lakers and Celtics are good or the Knicks are good. I was thinking uh, the Lakers, but, yeah. Uh, but, that's, but that's been a while. Um, football, Steelers and Cowboys, you know what I mean, Packers, whatever. There's yep. a few teams that – it's just good for the game when those teams are good. And I think the Yankees are definitely, I mean, listen, uh, there's no sugarcoating it like it or not. The Yankees are far and away the most successful franchise in the history of Major League Baseball. You got to look at the Rings, right? 27. And the Cardinals in second maybe have, what, 14? Like, uh, and then. Yeah, the, I'm pretty nobody sure the Cardinals really are second. Close. Yeah, I know they're second. I think the number is, it's either 11 or 14. Uh, and I understand those two numbers are a little bit far apart, but the Cardinals are second, and it's not even uh, it's not even close. But so for the the greatest franchise in the history of the game to to be good, I think is important for the sport for sure. And it, it's good to see both of those teams in New York playing well. Um, and I, I, I tease you about the uh, the East Coast bias, but we've always made sure to include the Yankees on. Uh, <laughs> you know, on all of our shows, because they're playing such good ball. I mean, you you can't really you can't really mention or talk about uh, winning teams in the sport of baseball right now without talking some about the New York Yankees. For now, we'll see how they keep it up. I mean, there's a lot of other really good, really really interesting storylines too. You brought up uh, the Angels for one, and I know you know uh, we have our our text that's going, and one of the things that I really you know, normally would wait until later in the show to touch on this, but you just brought up such a great conversation piece, uh, and that's Shohei Otani. And, I, you know, I, I think you've seen the same um, just chatter online and, and rumor mill stuff with conversation about him on the trade block, what's his value, that kind of thing. So I'm just going to keep it really simple with my first question to you, Mike. Uh, do you see a scenario in which Otani does get traded? Um, so the answer to your question is yes, I see a scenario. Um, I, you know, I don't think that that would necessarily be good for that franchise, but I also look at the, at the Angels franchise, and they need a lot, man. Like, they're picking up guys from the scrap heap, like Jonathan VR, who they just let go and picked up Phil Gosselin, who couldn't keep a job because the Braves decided to take another shot at uh, or give Robinson Cano uh, a chance oh, again. Um, yeah, I mean, so they're, they're really grabbing guys off the scrap heap just to fill out an everyday lineup. Um, th- this team needs a ton of pieces. So if there's a team that comes calling – it can give them multiple assets. I mean, preferably some pitching as well, but can give them multiple assets to really make their team better. Uh, they might consider it. And I mean, you know, I, I've got a, a, a buddy of mine who 
I may have Jonas one week just because I think he would enjoy it and he brings some good takes. But I've got a, a really good friend of mine who's a Mets fan. And his comment to me just today in a text message uh, conversation he and I share is, if the Met, if the Nationals would not consider Juan Soto to the Mets because of that same division, if I were the the Mets, I would be calling the Angels every day about Shohei Otani and seeing if there's anything that I can do to make it happen. Um, I think that there's a short list of teams. I don't think that they would consider the Dodgers, no matter what the Dodgers could offer, because I don't think there's any way they're going to send him uh, to shine in the same city. But I think there's a short list of teams. Uh, with Shohei, now remember, I think Shohei becomes a free agent after next year. So uh, does re-signability or does, does any of that kind of factor into this? Maybe. Um, and then, you know, keep in mind that because now we have the universal DH and baseball has gone to that Otani rule, it says even That's if true. you don't pitch, you can stay in the game as a designated hitter. Now you're talking about, you know, 29 other teams. Uh, as opposed to 14 other teams that could possibly trade for him. So uh, do I see a scenario in which he's traded? Yes. Do I think it's extremely likely? Uh, Not necessarily. And for the sake of this team, I I would like to see them be able to get the pieces around him and Trout so they could, you know, one day have a chance to make a run into October. I'm just convinced, once again, with Mendon out and with the other pieces on that team, and quite honestly, with the lack of depth in their minor league system, I don't really see how they can do it. And I, I'm not saying that they should do this, but if you're the Angels, at some point, because you you threw a big contract at Albert, uh, you tried to, you know, you backed up the truck to get Shohei. You, you've made some moves to, you know, you, you went and got Syndergaard, who's still pitching, who's probably uh, throwing more innings this year than he's thrown in the last three or four seasons combined. Uh, you've made some moves to try to make this work, uh, like signing Anthony Rendon, who has, you know, the injury bug has reared its ugly head for him again. Uh, and it hasn't. And so I, I'm not sure if I'm – if I were in charge of this angel system – if it would not completely cause a complete uh, revolt amongst the fan base, I'm not uh-huh. sure that I would not consider uh, taking all of my major league or most of my major league assets and seeing if I can really start to rebuild this thing. Because I think that the only way uh, the angels are going to win again is if they really, really blow it up. They just don't have any depth and you can't continue to patch holes. This is a sinking ship. And all the patches that they've tried to put in place to to keep the the boat from taking on more water have uh, have sprung leaks as well. And it it's just not you know I have a couple friends that are Angels fans, and I really feel for them, man, because you got a guy who was considered the best player in baseball for several years. You got a unicorn for all intents and purposes. Uh, and Shohei, who we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. And quite honestly, uh, even my dad, who's 80 years old, who's been a baseball fan his whole life, has never seen anything like what Shohei Otani is doing in this game. Um, it's it's remarkable. And that's why each and every year, uh, Shohei Otani, no matter what league he's in, if he continues to do what he's doing – 
is going to be in the MVP discussion just because he does so many different things, because of what he can do on the mound and at the plate. I don't care if he can't do anything in the field. His bat does plenty, and he still has electric stuff on the mound. I mean, listen, they lost a game the other night on Friday night to the Braves, and all Shohei did was pitch in the seventh inning and not really get the Braves didn't score to the seventh inning. And then the floodgates opened. But uh, he's, he's giving this team everything he can give them, and it's not making a difference. This, this, if it weren't for the Oakland A's, the Angels would finish in last place in that division. So, you, you, I don't know if you remember this. You may, may, may or may not. The last thing I think I said on air before I kind of took a little break there was uh, about the Angels possibly considering the idea of trading Mike Trout. Now, at the time, I will readily admit the concept of trading uh, Otani didn't cross my mind. Right, but now it seems like the Otani conversation is there. And in my mind, if I'm the Angels, you know, if you're going to talk about trading away Otani, and yes, I understand the contract is part of it. I mean, at what point do you just have to say, all right, we could build maybe the greatest farm system ever seen with even a couple of great major league ready players if we flip these two superhuman guys. We could take the two and, best um, farm systems mm-hmm. and combine them and make them ours. Do you and even consider it? Because that's if you're going to get rid of one, then what's the point of keeping the other? Yeah, that's my point. Exactly. If you're going to trade Shohei, if I'm an Angels fan, as much as I hate to hear, as much as I would hate to hear this, I think if you're going to trade one, you go ahead and push all your chips in and you trade them both. Because you don't have a good farm system. You don't have a ton of major league talent. You trade these guys and see exactly how many assets you can get for both of them. And, I, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, the, the, the return for Mike Trout is not nearly what it would have been even a couple of years ago. But you kept hoping that you would be able to, to put together the right, yeah. uh, the, the right pieces around him to make it work. And then, I mean, quite honestly, just things didn't align just right. Because even when Shohei came up, he first had some arm trouble and some other things that he had to work his way through. And he struggled to hit major league pitching for a little while. And then he finally, you know, kind of figured it out. He had to adjust. Um, and then when he did figure the, and then the, the first year that he figured it out, Trout was out for a while, right? So, But at I, some I, point, maybe you do I, that. I have this like sense. You just blow this whole thing up. Yeah, no, I have the sense that these, this iteration of the Angels – could, are very likely going to be one of those all-time kind of what-if stories. I always think of the same about the Mariners when they had, uh, you know, A-Rod and Griffey and, and that whole – you could even throw the Expos in there too. I mean, they had just this – you go and look at those last Expos rosters. They're ridiculous. It's like Hall of Famer after yeah, Hall of Famer. Yeah, that 94 team would have been sick. Yeah. Yeah, the 94 team. And, and at least the Mariners, just... at least the Mariners had the regular season success where they broke the regular season win record before they succumbed to the Yankees in the playoffs. And and this team hasn't even, uh, this Angels roster hasn't even been able to do that because you had two bright stars, and then you had a bunch of clouds around them that didn't allow the team to shine as bright as it possibly could. It's weird. I I I don't. I consider you like probably one of the most knowledgeable baseball people just on the field, mechanics, everything. But I mean, 
I just just very simply, I mean, what went wrong? Like this is the title of you know the ESPN documentary about the scene, but what went wrong? I mean, was it just they they said we've got these two stars and they ignored the rest of the roster? Was it just a lot of bad decisions, injuries? Can you chalk it up to any one thing, or it just seem cursed? I mean, what in your opinion, like what went wrong? I think it's a multiple. Uh, it, it, it's a bunch of different little things, um, but you, you gave. You gave a big contract to Vitamin Guerrero, which is fine. You gave a big contract to Albert Pujols, which is fine. Uh, you knew that you were going to end up eating some of that money on the back end, but you gave him that because you thought that maybe he was going to continue at a pace and set all kinds of records uh, with that franchise. And if he had if he had remained healthy, he probably would have. He still has, has had a great career and is the first ballot Hall of Famer. But he, he did tail off towards the end a little faster than they expected, but then you look and, you know, you go back and they gave up some pieces. Now, none of them turned out to be great pieces, but they gave up some pieces to get Mark Teixeira from Atlanta. And then come free agency, he goes to the Yankees. So they have, they have not been able to re-sign even over the last, say, 15, 20 mm. years. Some of the pieces that they've traded for, they've traded some of their best minor league talent to get guys that they weren't able to keep. And this is the one cautionary tale for anybody that's thinking about trading for Juan Soto or any other guys. Uh, any of these big-name guys, if you don't re- if you can't re-sign them or you can't do enough in free agency to make up for it, uh, if you gut your farm system, then this is what can happen to you. And, and I think they gutted their farm system for rental players. And then they just did not continue to to draft as much major league ready uh, talent. And they, you know, I I think there's a lot of things that that have happened there and some bad moves on behalf of general managers. But it there's just a ton of things that that should have happened differently. That but it. it I feel like once you've gotten to a point where the team has gotten this bad, despite having two of the best players in the game, um, it, it would be impossible to be able to point to one or two things and say, this is exactly what caused it. It's a myriad of things. And, you know, there are it, – it's caused a couple of general managers to lose their jobs. It's caused a management shift. I honestly don't know that uh, – I, I think that this team may actually regret firing Joe Madden at some point. Um, it, it, it's just actually, not. That's a good point. I, 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 you know, that's. I think there are a lot of things that this team could have done differently, and I don't think any team that that ends up in this situation um, w- can end up here without there being a bushel of bad news. So you, you know, it's. I feel like the easy way out is to just blame the GM or or whoever the GM is or whoever the GMs are, and I I really like that you didn't do that. You kind of pulled out that it was an institutional kind of thing, and and boy, that's really wild. You go back to the to the Teixeira deal and you talk about what you can give up and what you'll get back. Specifically, you know, like you said, you're not going to get as much for. Trout as you would have even a couple of years ago, and and you know we keep making the the um, comparison, and you kept making the comparison to the Juan Soto situation, 
which for my money right now is the most intriguing storyline. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Cardinals are the team I've been seeing um, linked to getting him the most, right? Uh, there's a couple of teams, but the Cardinals seem like they have the firepower to do it uh, with their farm system, with the ability to pay him. I mean, you know, the guy's looking for half a billion dollars. Um, so, and I'm not convinced know, that it's they uh, I'm it's not convinced a, that the Cardinals get him. I do think they have the pieces to get him because they do have a rich farm system. Listen, the Cardinals do things well. Uh, they, they have a very well-run organization. Um, and by the way, I, I, I want to finish that statement, but let me go back and say one other thing. I do think that the owner of the Angels and some of the things that he said and did didn't do them any favors as far as with free agents or anything else. And so I think a bad owner uh, also contributed to a lot of this as well. Uh, but back to Juan Soto, I, I, the Cardinals do have the pieces. Uh, they have the farm system. They have even some major league ready talent that they can move to make this happen. Uh, the the one cautionary tale is if he doesn't want to stay there or stay in middle America and they're not able to sign him, because I do think that there's a possibility that it's going to take a godfather-like offer um, for Scott Boris not to take one to the free agency. And That's if you don't resign him, what does it do? Yeah, basically you're saying make it clear that he's available. I think in doing that too, and he's the smart. I mean, he's he's probably the smartest agent that we've that's in 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 sports uh right now if not you know one of the top ones at least uh he also knows that right now it's a PR, he he understands the PR machine and now teams and fan bases are getting excited and pressuring their own franchises to be mentally prepared to get Soto so i don't uh, Mike, do you know off the top of your head? Does his contract isn't up at the end of this year? It's the year after, isn't it? Though. No, he's got he's got two more years on his contract. Okay. So he's he's so he's under contract through the the twenty four season, and he will turn twenty six uh, by the end of that season. So I mean, he's still only going to be twenty six years old. Jeez. See, my one thing with that is, if you're the team trading for him. Um, I feel like you, you have to, you absolutely ironclad have to have some type of deal in place before you make a move. Otherwise, don't do it. I mean, it's, it's, it'd be not with what it's uh, gonna bad cost business. Not with, not, not with what it's going to cost you because, trust me, it's going to cost you a whole lot more than the Angels gave up for Mark to share. <laughs> like, listen, um, oh, yeah. I, I mean, because, listen, you go back and look. They got a lot of prospects in return for Turner and Scherzer. And Turner's a free agent at the end of this year. And Scherzer was a free agent at the end of last year. So the Dodgers only had Scherzer for the remainder of that one season. And they're only getting Turner for another season and a half. Now, maybe they re-signed Turner. But I I hear a lot of people predicting that that's not going to happen. So we'll see uh, come free agency. Um, but the Dodgers gave up a lot, and the Nationals, you know, got a, a starting rotation piece. They got a catcher who they really like. Um, they got some some guys that are right on the cusp of the major leagues. 
Um, and this is, and that was for two guys that great players. But once again, you just had for you know a year and a half, a year and two months uh, combined for the two, and you're still going to have Juan Soto for the rest of this season plus two more. It's it's going to take a lot. And if you it, like you said, if you can't re-sign him, and and what do you offer? I mean, because to me. You look at the deal that the Nationals offered this man, and <laughs> you know it was it was fifteen years and four hundred and forty million dollars. Uh, so you're talking yeah. about twenty nine point three three million dollars a year. To me, it says two things. It says to me, I don't want to be in Washington, even though the reason why the team made those trades, even though I didn't think they needed to yet, even though the reason why the team made those trades was to be able to have room to. Uh, give Soto any and everything he wanted to stay there. Um, it, it tells you what it's going to take. I think that the the money is about right. I think he's going to want in that four hundred to five hundred million dollar range. I just think he, I think he wants it over ten to twelve years instead of fifteen. And so, are oh, you so willing to as an organization? The, organ- the, the uh, are you willing to the as an organization average value. Yeah, are you willing to, as an organization, give this man five hundred million dollars over twelve seasons? Like, honestly, I mean, I, I think that's that's what it comes down to. Do you, do you personally think he's worth that, though? In addition to what you may have to give up to get him. No, I think he's a listen. I think Juan Soto is. One of, and you can make an argument for the best young hitter in baseball. And I think if he stays healthy, I think that that what he can uh, bring a franchise is is remarkable. And he's he's much younger than uh, he'll be much younger than Albert was when Albert got his huge deal from the Angels. But this is one guy out of nine. You know what I mean? Uh, in your batting order every night. Uh, and so, I think that there's only a couple of teams that are willing to pay that exorbitant price, and I think that there are going to be some that are going to say, you know what, I'm going to let it ride until he gets to free agency, and they're banking on the fact that Scott Boris is going to take him to free agency. Because to me, I look at it and I say, I don't know that he's worth it, but I got to look at what the TV contracts and what the players are and how much money I have. An owner like the Mets owner, he can give whatever he wants because he makes enough money that even if he loses some money on his baseball team, if he wins, he's still going to be okay because he's got plenty of money in the bank and continuing to make money. Right. Um, but I just don't know that you gut your organization and pay that much at the same time because, listen, it's going to take a haul to get this guy. And the only way that it doesn't is at some point if the Nationals start to lower their asking price some. And how do you do that and make your fans in the face? You say, okay, we don't want to let him walk for nothing. But at the same time, if you're not going to be able to keep a special talent like this, then you have to bring back enough that really allows you to start to rebuild. And let's be honest, that National League East is not an easy division to try to rebuild in. Uh, the Marlins have plenty of talent and can have guys that can pitch. Uh, the Phillies may have the uh, out of the out of the other 
uh, four teams. The Phillies' future may be more grim than any of the other ones, and they still have major league talent. Uh, the Braves, man, like the future for the Atlanta Braves is really, really bright with a lot of young guys um, and a lot of young guys locked up in contracts right now. And then the Mets are going to spend – they're going to spend as much money as anybody uh, now as long as they have that owner in place. So that's not a very easy division to try to rebuild in and win in. No, uh, you know, I, that's, a, that's a good point with the division. I just – so, I think if you're you're looking at the immediate outlooks, yeah, I think the Braves probably have the the brightest future in terms of of roster construction. I think the Mets have the firepower to do what they need to do. I think the Phillies have good management in place that will always keep them competitive and be willing to take shots. I mean, I think that's a part of it too. There's some some teams that get really close and take a shot. I know at the beginning of the off season, or I'm sorry, in the middle of the off season, really towards the end. We saw the Pirates even make some moves that were just sort of like, oh, well, that's interesting. They're fine now. Um, you know, and I don't mean that to be insulting to the Pirates, but it's just not been in their nature. And we know, like you said, what the Phillies do. We know what the um, Braves are capable of, but we haven't really seen the Mets wield that power just yet. And this would be a really big power play uh, for them to try to go out and get a Juan Soto or even a Shohei, like you had mentioned earlier. So I, I, I'm curious, and again, and I hate doing this to you, Mike, because I know um, how much you just love my New York bias, but I am curious, right? I, I think it's been it's been floated around, you know, the airwaves of New York. You know, would you rather pay your homegrown guy, Aaron Judge, um, whatever it is it will take to get him? I mean, the dude, he hit another home run today. He's on pace for 60-plus, for which is, uh, you know, I, my head can't really wrap my, my – I, I just can't – my brain can't do that. Like, I can't really – believe that something that we could see in our lifetime in my mind you know 61 is the number in part because i love that movie um but um where, where do you take that money that you would have used to sign aaron judd and say not never mind let's try to go let's do it let's go after juan soto and you know the age is the part of the very interesting uh tale of that is obviously well known that aaron judge is older Juan Soto is a kid. I mean, and you're getting, uh, I think you're getting two very different kinds of players with each though. Um, But it it makes me wonder how teams are going to spend their money. And ultimately where I want to go with this, Mike, is we've talked about the money that needs to go to judge. We've talked about not just the money, but the assets that would need to go for um, a, um, a guy like a Shohei or a guy like a Trout. Um, there's a lot of big names I feel like that are out there in terms of being, you know, getting moved and, and shifted around. And there's only so many farm systems that I think that are really well built. Mike, um, I, do you wonder if one of these teams might be left um, in, you know, standing away from the game of musical chairs here and not able to, you know, get the return that they want and somebody's going to get a, a Soto or a, um, a, even like a Castillo, you know, Castillo's name has been talked about being moved, you know, the pitcher. And 
I wonder if one of these guys is going to be, be flipped for, for next to nothing or if the teams are going to be more likely to hold them. And the way baseball is now, I think you're going to see somebody get moved for super cheap. I think you are, too. I don't think that it's going to be Soto, but I think you are going to see somebody. And, and to answer your question, though, yes, there's going to be uh, – I don't wonder if because I know that it is going to happen. There's going to be this game of musical chairs, and there's going to be um, a couple of different teams without a spot at the end of it when the, when the music stops. And there's going to be one team that was hoping to get a, a bigger return on a guy, and they're going to end up settling for less than they want. And then there's also going to be another team left standing on the other side without a seat that really uh, did everything they could or really tried to do everything they could to uh, or put all their eggs in this basket to sign a guy, and then he's going to end up somewhere else, and they're going to be left holding their bag, right? So uh, I, think, I think it's really interesting because I do think that Judge wants to hit free agency now. Um, you know, will the Yankees match it? The thing about Judge is, you know, he's been healthier this year uh, than he's been in a while. He misses a chunk of time uh, fairly often, but he's he's putting together a remarkable season in, in a contract year, right? So um, I think the Yankees would be the favorite to re-sign him, but I wouldn't be shocked if a team like the Giants or somebody else uh, jumps up there and really makes a play um, because – the difference in Judge and all these other guys is you don't have to you don't have to gut your farm system to get it. Um, and so uh, there are going to be some teams that grossly miscalculate on both sides of that equation. And if they can't recover from it, then you're going to see some mediocre baseball played in that city for a while. Yeah, that's scary. But it's also understandable. I mean, I just, I, I truly am of this mindset now that somebody who wants to move their star and get a huge return, I think somebody's just not going to be able to get what they want. And they're going to end up putting themselves in a situation where they're give, getting rid of somebody just because they feel like they have to almost. Um, well, it's unfortunate, man. I, I, I wish well, I mentioned the, there was a way for baseball to spread out the, the talent a little bit better. But uh, what were you going to say? I uh, know. I mean, I, you know, I, I talked about Teixeira and the Angels not being able to resign him, but the Braves didn't get a lot back. They got Casey Koshman, and they got another couple pieces, and none of them ended up being uh, a part of their roster for a long period of time, right? So, and that was a guy who was one of the biggest names to hit free agency, but they waited till the very last, you know, to the last season he was under contract, and they just decided uh, they hit a bad stretch right before the trade deadline, and they traded him basically for peanuts. And, and as a result, they were a mediocre team for several years because so they, I gave up a lot, they gave up a lot to get him to Texas, uh, and, and, and guys that were still in the major leagues several years later there's a guy right now that they gave up that's still playing shortstop in the major leagues. Now, he's not a star, but Elvis Andres has, has been in the major leagues ever since he got traded. Now, I, I have a question for you. In terms of just teams right now that are not 
I would say, World Series contenders for the 2022 season. Maybe they would be next year, but who do you think that, that we kind of consider your traditional bad team is going to have the next, you know, window? Like we saw the Nationals in there. They had a really good window, and, and I think leading up until that point, I would kind of consider them one of those franchises that has to be opportunistic, that just doesn't have the the capability to show up every time. And the reason I'm asking this is on behalf of our good friend, Nate, who's not with us tonight. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, where's that? Where's, I think the Orioles are, 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 they know that if they hit on their next couple of moves, you know, in the next two, three years, they could really contend, especially if um, Toronto decides that they want to sell some pieces off. I don't see that happening. I'm just making a hypothetical. I think Toronto is truly in it for the long haul as they should be. But uh, say the Red Sox just say, you know, forget it. Let's blow it up. You know, the sale, the sale era is just not what it is. You know, we got ours, and we're going to move on now. You know, I could see the, like I said, the Blue Jays. I, if the Yankees end up not figuring out the judge situation, is it time to blow that up? Uh, and let's just say with those hypotheticals, the division opens up and the Orioles find themselves playing, you know, at or, or, or close to 500 ball. Um, do you see a team like the Orioles um, making moves that are are easier with the big stars moving around, lowering potentially the prices, um, putting them in position to to compete maybe for a little bit? Who else do you see? I, could, I think like I think Miami you had mentioned. I could see it happening. I see Miami. Um, listen. Uh, Cleveland just needs some offense. They can they can pitch, right? Like and they they've uh, they've been able to pitch for a long time. But a team that is already starting to poke their head out of their window right now, and this is a team that I think is a dark horse even in any of these sweepstakes for some of these players that we just mentioned is the Minnesota Twins. I mean, you take a look at I Minnesota, was, yeah, and, and they need some more pitching, but they also have a ton of bats. You got you got Luisa Rice who probably doesn't get moved. You got Buxton who just had uh, uh, platelet uh, injections in his knee, so hopefully that's going to help him stay on the field. But they got guys like Jose Miranda, who was the uh, minor league player of the year for them last year. They got guys like Trevor Larnack, who um, is coming back off injury and should be back soon. They got guys like Alex Carrillo. They have a lot of guys, and they've also, uh, you know, they got Royce Lewis, who – it's probably projected to be their long-term shortstop because Correa may opt out this year or next. He can opt out after either one of these two years should he choose to do so. And then you still got Nick Gordon, and then they also have drafted. Like, they just drafted a ton of shortstops in this last draft. Um, and, and I think that part of the reason why they did that was because they don't know where some of these guys are going to be. And so this allows them to mm. uh, possibly consider – uh, moving some of these guys around um, or trading some of these guys, uh, you know, moving forward to try to figure out how they can, uh, how they can win. So uh, they do have the players, I think, in place to, to make a run for a guy like an Otani or to make a run for a guy uh, like a Soto. The problem is, is if he doesn't sign there long term, as we've talked about before, what does that do for that organization, you know, in the long term? But there are some teams, and that's – I'm glad that you mentioned that because there are some of these teams that have not won in 30 years plus that 
very well may decide, listen, we, we're starting to get the pieces in place. If we can bring one or two other pieces that might can complete us and we can make a run in the World Series. Uh, you know, the Yankees, the Dodgers, there are a few teams in baseball that expect to contend every year and if they don't, it's a disappointment. But there are some teams that their team has been so starved to see a winner in October that they would they would put all their eggs in that basket to make it happen. Another one, and it may not be this year, and we've talked we've talked about this team recently uh, with all the young players that they've had coming up in their system. I could see uh, in a year or so the Tigers decide that they're ready to try to make another move to bring in a couple more guys uh, to really try to push this team over the top. That AL Central is a very winnable division for a lot of people. Yeah, no, those are great points. And I, I, I go back in my mind to those um, that stretch where the Royals had just that incredible bullpen um, that allowed them to go in and win it all. I mean, that was um, – I thought that was a great. I, I, you know, I'm a. I love when small market teams get their shot. I think I, I I'm a little frustrated. I think in a way with San Diego, um, because I just feel like they should be. You know, they're not a bad team, obviously, but they should be a little bit better than they are. And I hope maybe they'll make a move. So San Diego is a team I'd love to see win a champion. There's a lot of teams that have it. Basically, if, you're, if your franchise hasn't made it to a World Series in, in 10 or 15 years, uh, you're always going to get – I'm always going to be rooting for them. I mean, that's, that's just a given. I, I love seeing, you know, fan bases throw the parades, uh, you know, and, their, and the kids, you know, finally seeing their, their turn and teenagers saying, oh, you know, I've never seen one in my lifetime. For me, that's what it's all about. So I did, I yeah, did and San Diego has done little... more. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just say I, I love that take. I mean, it's it's a good take. Now you were going to say about what San Diego has has done, which I think they've done a lot. But what, what were you going to say? No, I mean, so they make the they make the change on the bench, which I think was very good for them, and bringing Bob Melvin over, and this team without their, uh, arguably their their brightest young star, has you know, played a lot better baseball. They're running second in that division. Uh, they're clearly, you know, in the race and would be a playoff team if, you know, if the playoffs started today. Even after missing on a few guys or whatever else, they've kind of rebounded. And and this team has really uh, started to trend up. The, the only issue I see with San Diego is A.J. Preller just cannot help himself. Um, if, if there's one or two guys that he thinks can make the difference, he will ship off his top prospects and big names to other organizations. Thank you once again for Max Freed. Uh, <laughs> that, that move is still paying off. And so if, if for some reason, if, you know, if somehow the owner, whoever, if it's an owner, if it's a president of baseball operations, whoever is over A.J. Preller, if there's certain times that you can intervene and say, okay, I don't care what might come this way, this guy cannot go. You know, you, you, you've got to – there's certain guys that you just you just can't trade away, but this guy, uh, he always does it. And you can look around the league and find uh, guys who were projected to be bright stars and long-term major league pieces for that San Diego organization on other rosters right now. And that's what's kind of held them back a little bit. But this year, I think they're finally starting to realize um, a lot of that potential. And like I said, if you can get Tatis back and figure out where he's going to play, um, 
this is a team that could possibly make some noise in October. Yeah, lot to um, a lot to look forward to. Now, Mike, we are coming up to the end of the show here, um, so I want to get your take. I hadn't, uh, we hadn't really had a chance to reflect much on the, or I hadn't, I should say. I'm sure you have, but uh, as a show, we haven't had a chance to really reflect on the first half. But I'm a look ahead kind of guy. You know, we talked about the Yankees kind of faltering a little bit, or I certainly did. Um, is there any team that? Uh, you know, I want to see if you can pull a shout-out to Aaron Simmons, who uh, said that his big half surprise in our basketball show, um, I said, who do you expect to go on a run and maybe, you know, have some success the second half of the season? And the guy said the Celtics. Um, now, obviously, we know they didn't win the whole thing, but, boy, you know, they made it to the finals and they weren't the favorite in the East to even get there. So let's see, who's got, our, who's got a Celtics-like run? Maybe not even win the whole thing necessarily, but, like, who do you who do you look at and say you know what that's a team that could at least make it to the pennant? Um, you know, I I, I kind of keep going back and forth on this. You you, you uh, I think that if they can get enough offense, I think that Milwaukee could still be scary if you can get Freddie Pro out the back to go with Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns um, at the top of that. The other team that I still think uh, if they can ever get everybody back, now they got another guy out and some people banged up. But uh, that offense for the Chicago White Sox could still be very scary if they can get enough pitching. Um, so outside of, like, our our contenders that are already there and our surefire uh, teams that I think are definitely going to be there, uh, those, those are a couple teams. I mean, we've said Milwaukee or St. Louis out of that central already. Uh, for a while, I, I I think the like I said I I think the the White Sox have a run in them, uh, but I still wouldn't rule the I, I still wouldn't rule the Twins out and and actually making a big trade. And so if if that were to happen, um, that that could be a game changer as well. But um, I just I feel like that White Sox team is too is too talented and is still going going to end up uh, making some noise and being there. And then the the one other team that just uh, they they kind of finally started to find their legs a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Seattle Mariners went on a huge run, one fourteen or fifteen in a row, just to kind of get back in the discussion. And with a guy like Robbie Ray anchoring that rotation. Uh, that could be a team that could be a little bit of a problem in October as well. So uh, that being said, I, I feel like that the teams that are going to be right there at the end are going to be the teams that are that are pretty high in the standings right now. But if you're asking me to pick dark horses, those are some of the places that I would look. I, no, I, you know what, you kind of stole – my thunder on a few of those because I, I pretty much agree with you largely across the board. Um, you know, I, I still like to think that one of these teams is going to get an injured player back. To me, that's always the biggest advantage that you can have um, simply because it, I, I do think there's a locker room element to it in that, you know, you know what you're getting as opposed to maybe somebody new walking in. Um, and maybe I'm overrating that. I, I very well could be. Um, but, you know, in my mind, 
Um, I don't know. I feel like San Diego's is, is, you know, they're not going to sneak up on anybody per se, but I, I really like to think that they have kind of that makeup to put it all together. Um, but hey, that's I think, Mike, the the most fun part of the game is you just genuinely you, you never know. Um, so hey, I the see bra- it's coming the up on the clock. Horse. Yeah. No, go ahead. But the Braves had the third worst record of all, all the playoff teams last year, and they were able to put together and win the World Series. So uh, that that's the beauty of this game, right? You just never know. Giving me hope as a Jets fan. Um, all right, Mike. Listen, it's been it's been a blast. Uh, we got to do this again sometime. Um, make sure you check us out online. Go to www.sportcitychefs.com. As a reminder, the show has been brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company. Make sure you go to www.phiapparel.co um, for all your great threads. And make sure you use our promo code CHEFS, that's C-H-E-F-S. Um, thank you again. Uh, make sure you go to uh, Sport City Chefs on your Facebook, on your Twitter, on your Instagram. Um, Mike, did you have anything you wanted to add before I close this out? Yeah, real quick, respect to Thomas, the head chef out there. Without him, none of us would be here, man. To Sirius, to Dylan, uh, to Nate, to you, Dave, to all the chefs out there uh, that make this possible week in and week out. Make sure to check us out, subscribe, follow. And you can also check us out on any of our smart speakers. And the Braves are getting Mike Soroka back next month, man. And Eddie Rosario is back. And Austin Riley is one of the hottest hitters on the planet right now. So there you go. Yeah, I love it. Nice little plug for your team, Yankees. I, I don't know. Well, hopefully they'll they'll play decent enough to make it into the postseason and, and let us down again. But hey, who knows? But listen, I have said enough for a lifetime, and for the last time, I wish you all a very pleasant good afternoon. City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Okay. Uh.